Welcome everybody, this is Afro Leads, the podcast. As you know, Afro Leads consists of two sisters, myself, Steph, and my sister, Julie. And we are on a mission to promote Black British business and culture. At present, we have multiple social media platforms, our most prominent being our Instagram platform, at Afro underscore Leads, where we post positive posts about Black business, groups, communities, celebrities, music, and so much more. Today, we are joined by Mr. Mark Delissa, a former Man Crush Monday poster of ours. Mark is a renowned arranger, choral director, vocal coach and presenter and the perfect choice to host the first Songs of Praise Gospel Singer of the Year competition earlier this year. Mark's musical journey started in his local church in Brixton, where he went from teaching himself piano to leading the youth choir by age 15. Mark went on to formalise his musical education when he studied vocal music at the Colchester Institute, followed by a master's in vocal studies from the Central School of Speech and Drama and a PGCE in musical education from the Institute of Education. This King is qualified and has taught at a number of institutions, including the Brick School. Mark has coached a number of well-known artists and he was also the master arranger behind the delightful rendition of Stand By Me, sung by the Kingdom Choir at the 2018 wedding of the Duke and Duchess of Sussex. Always committed to improving the world through singing, Mark established choirs such as the Community Choir Singology in 2003 and the award-winning ACM Gospel Choir in 2008. His 2019 Meet the Street at Christmas show gave us a glimpse into his work and how community singing can be a powerful force against the scourge of loneliness. Mark Delissa, welcome to the show. Thank you. Wow. Thank you for having me. And, you know, thanks for that Man Crush Monday thing. I didn't really <laughs> understand it. I was like, um, what does this actually even mean? But yeah, you know, I, I appreciate it. I showed my wife and she was just like, who? You. <laughs> sorry. sorry but yeah, so they, yeah, but no, good to be here, guys. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. So Thank you so much. It's an absolute honour to have you on the podcast. Like I said, when we posted about you initially, we had loads of amazing comments and feedback. So we had lots of young people, obviously, that are into music, etc. That were like, you know, it's really great that you put in somebody who looks like me on the platform. So the element of representation, which was there, which is great. So yeah, it's great to obviously speak to you and get to know more about you, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, listen, man. Anything that I can that I can tell you, just ask away and I'll, I'll do my best to kind of talk about it. Because I mean, one of the things that I'm very big on is that making sure that we as people from, you know, my culture and my background and who people who look like me, that, that they get a real great start in this life, you know, the youngsters, and they understand that, you know, through all of the struggles and issues that we might have because of our environment, we can still achieve. It just means that we have to look to people who have done it before. Do you know what I mean? So I'm getting old now. You know, I'm, I'm approaching. You are so not getting I'm old. I'm approaching my early 30s. I'm joking. That's the subject. <laughs> but, um, but but I'm, I'm getting old now. And I just really want people to kind of see that that I have done it. And I've done it you know, through through a lot of hard work, really. I mean, we'll talk about, you know, where I went and who I, who I worked with and what I've done. So we can get into all of that and then I'll tell you the stories. Amazing. Well, let's jump straight in. Yeah, man. If that's okay with you. We've got yeah. so many, obviously we didn't want to kind of structure this so it's like an interview, but obviously we'll make notes and things and we've got so many things to try and tick off in such a short space of time. So one of the first things, obviously, to kind of set the scene, we know that you grew up in Brixton, is that right? That's right. 
Yeah, so I went to the yeah. Brixton Seventh Day Adventist Church in the heart of Brixton. So yeah, that's where that's where that's where I went to church. I, I was actually living in Streatham, which was about two and a half, three miles away from the church. But we travelled in every Saturday morning to a church of like you know six, seven hundred people, and it was a brilliant experience actually going to church because it's you know, and I say this all the time that that, that was the real community for me. If I, if anything, I didn't I didn't really know that many people that lived around us in Streatham. Do you know what I mean? There's a few mm. people obviously that I went to school with, but the real family and the real community was the church community. And that was, you know, something that is it, totally, totally invaluable to me throughout my early years because all of the friends or all of my best friends were found in church and they still are my best friends. Do you know mm. what I mean? So we're talking, I mean, I mean we've got one, one friend of mine who I met, I, remember, I will never forget it. He was wearing a brown jumper. We were probably both about five or six years old. And I remember just saying, hey, man. And he went, hey, man. And we were like, cool, what are you, what are you doing? And he was just like, I don't know, what are you doing? I like, don't know. And then from then, we've been best friends. Literally talked to him every day, every day of my life. <laughs> you know what I mean? so, so, yeah, so, so that was that was true, true, true community, true community. And did you, well, in terms of sort of your upbringing, et cetera, were you somebody, well, first and foremost, did you have siblings? What was your yeah. sort of, what was your sort of um, childhood like? Childhood was cool, man. I had got an older brother, 10 years older than me, and then two sisters in between him and myself. So I'm the baby, um, and some oh. people say the rebel, but, um, but I, don't, <laughs> no, I don't subscribe to that. Um, but yeah, so no, it was it was really cool. And as, as we were a church, as, as Christianity was quite a big thing in our lives when we went to church regularly, the house was always filled with great, you know, gospel music and sounds that, you know, we, we were getting in from America. And I obviously being 10 years younger than my brother, I was kind of brought up into that that whole area of music through him, you know, because he was bringing in all of this music into the house. And so I was just kind of listening, going, oh, that sounds cool, you know. And so, yeah, so that was it, really. We had a, a really lovely... I'd say a lovely childhood. There were obviously with everybody in the world, we have issues in life throughout our childhood and, you know, all the rest of that. But generally, I think I think it was a, it was cool times. It was cool times at home. The rest of your family, did are they musical? Yes. Um, well, I say that. I'm going to I am going to say that my my dad and he doesn't I don't even think he really knows this because I've only really been talking about this for for probably about four or five years now. But it was my dad who introduced me to choirs. Right. And, and he, I don't think he realised this. And actually, to be honest with you, I don't think I realised until maybe about five, six years ago, because he he used to take me along to his choir rehearsals. Now he's sung in a choir ever since I was born, right? Oh, I love that. And I remember distinctly, it came to a Friday night and he was going out to rehearsal and he, and my mum said to him, why don't you take one of the kids with you? And I was just like, oh God, it's gonna be me. <laughs> okay. So I jumped in the car and we drove off down to, to rehearsal. And I remember but just sitting there in the, you know, because it's just in a massive church. I'm just sitting on one of the pews, just watching this male voice choir rehearse. And I just remember being totally drawn in to the conductor. And just the, wow. the level of control that he had over these voices and what he could do. And, and I was just like, oh my God, this is, this is amazing. But you don't realise at the time that, you know, you're being drawn in by this. And so, so my dad, my dad sang, he still sings actually, he still goes to rehearsal. He's 80 years old. Well, he hasn't been for the past year and a half because because of lockdown but but um he's 80 years old and he still is an active member in his male voice choir the same male voice choir that that he was singing in when i was you know 
you know, five or six or however old I was. And so, yeah, so he's really musical. My mother who passed in 2016, she wouldn't consider herself musical, but she sang, you know, and sang, sang nicely. My brother wouldn't say he can sing, but had a great ear for music and still has a great ear for music. My sisters both sing. They are like, you know, prolific church going, you know, praise and worship leading. Amazing. And kind of travel around London singing at different places, baptisms and blah. Do you know what I mean? That they are they are the they are the the ladies in um the ladies that sing in the in the Seventh Adventist Church, you know? And then there's me. You know, I just do do my little thing, you know. But um it's interesting because none of them have really taken music as seriously as I have. And not that they couldn't have, they absolutely could have, but they didn't. But we'll come, we'll come on to, we'll come on to that later. We'll come on to that later. But yeah, they, they, I don't think, honestly, I don't think they, okay, let's, let's deal with it now, actually. My parents didn't believe that music was something that was going to sustain us. Right. As I'm sure you both will probably attest to that, you know, Afro-Caribbean parents, as far as they're concerned, you know, an engineer, a doctor, a, a solicitor, a, you know, some something that they, as far as they're concerned, these are solid, stable jobs. You get educated, you go into this job, you do that job for the rest of your life. You buy a house, you have some kids, you live great for the rest of your life. Yeah. When, when I was, you know, 12, 13, thinking, yeah, music was a thing that I wanted to do. My parents were just like, nah. Mm -hmm. What are you going to do that for? Because the, only, the, the people that they knew that did music back then, just, it wasn't really a career. Mm -hmm. no? And so my brothers and sisters, or my sisters mainly, I guess, didn't really want to go down that route. But I fought really hard and fortunately found myself in a place years later where I started to kind of make my life from music. You know what, I think it's because you're the youngest, you know, Mark, because I'm one of four. Julie's the oldest, then there's me and we've got two younger brothers. Right. And our younger brother gets away with so much more stuff than we would ever be able to get away with. I don't know whether it's my parents are more tired. <laughs> I don't know whether they've just become a little bit more Latin culture. They've adapted a bit more. Plus also they've seen us go through our trials and tribulations and things like that. But perhaps it's that, you know, maybe it's the fact that you're the youngest one and they're thinking, you know what, let's give it a go. Yeah, I, th I, th I think so. I think, I mean, I've got three kids, right? And my youngest, I know, you know, gets, a, I mean, they all get away from stuff <laughs> from time, but he's that one that is just like, yeah, okay, cool. But because the thing is, he watches a lot and he will see where the, where the other two get into trouble and just divert his way around that trouble and then do something <laughs> else. You know what I mean? And so by that time, it's just like, oh, okay, fine, whatever. But, smart. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. Very smart. But the I think the thing that, um, that I think sets sets me apart from my brothers and sisters is a guess I guess coming through education later, uh, obviously through age uh, later than them, um, and I had a lot more options. You know? mm. And so, and I I will tell this story because I think it's relevant and it's relevant for people who look like me who have you know similar backgrounds and similar parental desires. I guess that whilst my parents didn't want me to to do music as a career. Uh, my dad was very much like, okay, if you're if you're going to do anything, it's IT. Because he could see that computers mm -hmm. were the thing, you know, that was, you know, absolutely exploding in our lives. And so he was just like, well, that is what you're going to do because that's going to buy you a house. That's going to buy you the car that you want. That's going to, you know. And so I did. I finished school. I went to college and then I went to university and started doing a degree in electronic systems engineering. And I hated it. Really? Absolutely hated it, but I was doing it because mm. my parents wanted me to do it. Mm. And and I say all of this to, to hopefully encourage people that, 
you know what, your parents do have your best interests at heart and it's important to listen to them and understand where they're coming from. But also, and you know, parents will probably hate me for saying this, you have to go your own path. Mm. You have to. And I, so I, I, this is what I call the failure years. And I think this is really important for me to deal with right here. I started that degree and I hated absolutely every minute of it. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't get to grips with it. I couldn't, I couldn't work out how to study. I couldn't get to, to, to understand what these people were talking about because it had no interest in me. There was no, I had no interest for it at all. And so I failed that year. Now, this is back in the days when education was free. Okay, you, you, know, you didn't pay for your education and also you got a grant as well. So actually it was like, this is, this is cool. So for me, I was like, okay, cool. So I failed that year. And I remember going back home and saying to my parents, oh, you know, yeah, I didn't do so well. And, uh, and they were like, okay, what are you going to do? And I said, all right, well, I'm going to, because I was living in, I went to a university in Colchester, University of Essex. And, and then I came back and I spent the whole summer working out what I was going to do. And then I applied for another course in London because I was just like, okay, cool. This is what my parents want me to do. So I'm going to stay in their house. I obviously couldn't do it because I'd moved away. So if I'm getting my clothes washed and I'm getting my food <laughs> done, then I'm going to be able to study better. And this is kind of the, the, the rationale that I was giving my parents, you know, to tell them why I failed. But the truth of the matter is, guys, I didn't like it. So I'd started a computer mm. science degree at South Bank University. And I traveled there every day and I went to every single lecture and I hated every single minute of it. But I had to, in my heart, I had to do it for my parents. Mm. I had to do it for them. And I got to the end of the year and I failed again, right? Yeah, despite putting the time in as well. That's crazy. Putting the time in and because there was just no, you know, I mean, you guys know this, right? When you want to do something, it's like, oh man, I feel excited about that. Oh, let me go find out about that. And I just wasn't inquisitive about it at all. There was nothing. Because then I went back home throughout, well, obviously, obviously I was home. So throughout the summer, I looked at how I could make this work. And I found a course in computer science and music. Amazing. Amazing. There is a God in heaven. Thank you. (laughs) Because at that moment, I was like, okay, I can please my mum and dad. And I can do the thing that is driving me, right? Mm -hmm. So I started this course, which incidentally was back in Colchester at Essex Uni, right? Mm -hmm. So I went back there, started this course, and it was three strikes and you're out. This is my last year of funding, right? So I get into it and I'm just like, yeah, this is going to be fine. You know, I know a little bit about computers. Yeah, I can do it. Guys, (laughs) sad to tell you, I failed the computer science and I passed the music. And at that moment, now obviously you have to pass both in order to move on, right? Yeah. At that moment, I said, Mum and Dad, this isn't going to work. Mm. That's what I said in my head. I didn't say it to them. <laughs> um, and I realised that music was the thing that I wanted to do. And therefore, that was what I was going to pursue. Yeah. And then there was so much that happened in between then and me qualifying as a voice coach and continuing my career. But that was the turning point. That was the turning point. And you know what? My parents, when I did eventually tell them that that's what I was going to do, to their credit, they didn't say anything. Do you know what I mean? They didn't, mm. they didn't cuss me out. They didn't tell me about myself. They didn't you know, do anything. They just said, they just looked and kind of acknowledged what I was saying, but didn't really have much to say about it. But, you know, some, some years later, 
when things start to kind of move in the direction that they would hope it would have moved as a, you know, as their child becoming, you know, someone in society and someone through their work, then they, they, yeah, they all forgot about all of that. They forgot about all of that computer stuff. Do you know what I mean? Oh, my son, my son, my son. It's like, oh, all right, okay. It's all right now, dad, right, yeah, cool. You know? So, yeah, so it's important, man. I mean, the point I'm making is that, look, we must respect our parents absolutely 100%. But I'm a firm believer that if you're not doing the thing that that ultimately gives you life, then you just, you, I just don't think you can be as happy as you would be if you are doing that thing. That mm. you no, absolutely. Really, really yeah, it's about purpose. And do you mind me asking where your parents from? Jamaica. Jamaica. Thank you for sharing that. It's so nice for you to be so vulnerable about your back because it's so important. People see mm. you, they see your success. They think, and you know, we read a bio and, and it's like, oh, you, you did X, Y, Z. But yeah. it, it, it's not, it's, you know, it's not that straight line. There are some kind yeah. of twists and turns, but that's life. And it's so vitally important for anyone out there who's looking to pursue a career in music or in anything to appreciate what you're saying about respecting and honouring your parents and where they're coming from and their perspective and, yeah. you know, what kind of vocations they're encouraging you in are ones that they see as being um, stable, reliable, that kind of, they want you to be, do better than them, all the rest, all these elements. So it comes from a good place, but then yeah, it's yeah. not honoring the purpose and the talents and the gift that, giftings that have been put in you. Yeah. You know, it can be difficult. And But then I like to think that people of our generation will be freer to allow our children to find their uh, path. But we'd, we'd hope so, right? Yeah, we hope yeah. so. It's just interesting as well how you were saying that when you were studying at a time when education was, or further education was still free, it gave you that freedom to explore what it was that you wanted to do, whereas these days you don't have that. No. If you're being asked to pay £9,000 a year, yeah, you don't have that luxury really so you've got to almost know what it is that you want to do or just yeah. stick with what you've decided yeah. and it, it, you don't always know you need to perhaps if you'd gone straight into music you might not have really found that that was the right do you know what I mean sometimes you need to go through certain things that are not quite right to know to know that when you're in the right place it's definitely the right fit 100 percent, 100 percent. and I think you're, you're absolutely right that you know those failure what I call the failure years they were great do you know what I mean? Whilst they were painful at the time, looking back, those are the things that crystallized exactly what I needed to be doing in my life. Yeah. You know I mean? Yeah. What's well, interesting, just as you were, you were talking, Julia, I remember the time, this was only a few years ago now, actually, um, the place that I did my music section in Colchester, so computer science was at the University of Essex and music was at the Institute in Colchester. They asked me to come back and do the keynote speech. Oh, fantastic. Wow, that's amazing. The graduates, and I was just like, give yeah, it, but I didn't, but I, didn't finish right and and I, I i called her back and i was just like um yeah this is cool I'll, I'll come and do this but you know i didn't finish and they were like oh, oh, oh uh, uh, um yeah yeah we know but you know if you could not labor that in in your <laughs> and i was like yeah well then i'm not coming because this is the yeah. point this is the point right and they were like, uh, okay, well, um, well, okay. And then, you know, they went away and they thought about it. And they said, okay, cool. You know what, but please just give it a, a different spin. I was just like, mm. you know what, leave it with me. I'll, I'll, do, I'll do what I can. So I did this thing and it came to me probably two days before I'd written this whole speech and then the whole thing's changed, like literally two days before I went to do it. And I did a reverse chronological order of my life, mm. right? 
So I talked, I started, I got up and I just said, right guys, this is who I am, blah, blah, blah. And I think I had probably just done the Royal Wedding and, you know, worked on, before that, worked on The Voice and worked on this and worked with this person and sung with this person and done this and done that and blah, 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 all the way down. And everywhere, because everybody in the audience going, oh yeah, wow, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I said, and then I, this year I failed. And you see them just kind of go, what? Right? Because it wasn't, what I didn't want to do is I didn't want to say, guys, here I am failing. And then all of a sudden, yay, I made it. What I wanted to say is you see what you see of me right now, but understand the struggle, the struggle that was back then was real. So enjoy the, what you see, but understand that the journey, the journey is not going to be smooth. It wasn't smooth for me. And for them, my, my encouragement to them was do the thing that ignites your fire. Do mm. that because that is the thing that is going to give you life and absolutely make you successful in your life and make you happy. You know, listen, man, I live the best. I, I don't like that phrase, is living my best. I don't like it at all. But, <laughs> but trust me, I love absolutely everything that I that I do. And it is because I chose to do the thing that was most burning it in my heart, you know, so. Yeah. It's powerful, definitely. And I can probably see from people who have coached me especially, or even when I do a little bit of mentoring, it's those life stories, the successes and the, you know, the failures that you can identify with the people that you're working with more. So it's, you were definitely meant to go through that divine intervention or whatever you believe in. And I definitely think it helps the person you are and the people who you help as well. Yeah, 100%, 100%. And, and it is that, you know, someone said to me many years ago that, um, that you can't be a leader until you have been led. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. And when I went to Central School of Speech and Drama and trained as a coach, they said, you can't be, you can't coach until you've been coached. You Agreed. see what I'm saying? Yeah. So you've got to work on yourself. You've got to work hard on yourself and make sure somebody is watching you, making sure you're doing the right thing, blah, blah, blah. And then you can then go on because then you know what it feels like to be coached as the coach, you know what it feels like to be coached. You know how you want to be, you know how you want to leave the room, how you want to feel mm -hmm. when you leave the room. And so if I know that in myself, I know how to create that in somebody else. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, well, definitely. Yeah. So speaking of the different hats that you wear, you're yeah. obviously a renowned arranger, choral director, vocal coach, presenter, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Out of all of the amazing accolades that you have, which is probably your favorite and why? Oh my goodness. Are you, that's almost impossible to answer now. <laughs> I'll tell you for why, because every, every year I look at the things that I consider myself to be. And if I can remove one, I do. The one right. that, okay. that wow. I'm giving less, less effort to, or the one that doesn't fill me with any excitement, I just kind of remove it because I'm just like, actually, if the energy from me isn't a positive, 100% positive, I want to do this, mm. then it's not, it's not right. Do you know what I mean? So I remove it. So over the years, I've taken off a few, but right now as a choral director, arranger and vocal coach, I cannot separate them. You know, really? I, I can't, I'm, I'm here in my studio because the thing is they're all three different things. So I'm here in my studio, I work alone, nobody else is here and I could be arranging something for a choir in Australia, right? Love it. I'm bouncing around the room going, oh, we're at the harmony. Oh my God, it's so great. <laughs> and I can be here for hours and hours and hours. And my general arranging time is I get into my studio about 2 a.m. or 3 a.m. Oh, 
really wow yeah 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 wow. and I, work, I work until about 8 a.m and i go if it's school time i go and take my kids to school and then i come back but in that period of time it is so much joy i cannot tell you and i would if someone were to take that away from me that would be i'd be like you know what that's it i'm done right wow but then voice coaching when when you work with somebody i mean if you guys you do you know you mentor people you coach people when there's a breakthrough when you see that moment where you've said okay cool try this or try that or do this and they go oh my days oh my god i feel that mm -hmm. and then they and that breakthrough that happens time and time again when i'm coaching people either here in my studio or on a tv show or whatever those moments are golden and i want them all day long do you see what I'm saying? Mm, yeah. yeah. And, then, and then the same is with a, as a choral director. I mean, just can you imagine, right? Standing in front of, it could be 10 people, it could be 500 people, it could be 10,000 people and getting them to sing something, sing it back to you. Do you know what I mean? And you create mm. harmony for them to sing and then you see the joy in their faces as they sing with all of these other people. I mean, those three things is my plan. <laughs> do you know what I mean? I, I cannot... Yeah. I can't separate them because they both, they all feed a different part of me. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah, the totally. solo one by myself in my studio, that's fed. And then, you know, seeing somebody grow in front of me, that's fed. And then ma a mass of people in front of me just having so much joy and ha having so much fun. No, 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 no. I can't separate them. Can't. <laughs> <laughs> You're definitely a music guy. Definitely. <laughs> oh, oh, listen. listen. All, all day long. I can't, I can't live without it. Totally can't. And in terms of coaching people, who do you prefer coaching? And I guess you've already answered that, but whether you prefer, you know, like the celebrities or people who are established artists or the kind of everyday lesser known people in your kind of um, community choirs. Again, I'm sorry, I'm, maybe I'm really boring, but um, I, I can't <laughs> separate them. You know, I was working with some kids before lockdown at a school down in Devon and they, <laughs> one of them got up and, uh, you know, at the end of it, I said, okay, any questions guys? And one got, kid got up. Uh, must have been, I don't know, 13, 14 years old. And he said, ah, oh, listen, um, I really enjoyed today, but who's the most famous person that you've coached? And I said, without even thinking about it, I said, you. Love that. And he was like, no, 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 the most famous. And I said, no, 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 you. And I said, because I'm right here right now. Do you understand? Yeah. And so whoever is in front of me, they are the mm -hmm. most important person at that time and therefore the most famous. And therefore I give absolutely everything to that person. So regardless of, of where they are or who they are, they are the most important person. Do you know what I mean? And people say to me all the yeah. time, you know, you know, what about when you coach this person? Yeah, then they were the most famous person in my in my space, right in front mm -hmm. of my face. But then when I've moved to you, you are the most famous person because I'm gonna pour as much into you, regardless of whether you're are a, whether they're a five year old child at primary school or a sixty year old comedian who's traveled the world doing all sorts of amazing things. Regardless, I'm still gonna pour in exactly the same amount. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I'm yeah. not. Yeah. Gonna, okay, cool. I'm gonna give. I'm gonna give a little bit to the five-year-old and more to the celebrity. No way. That's not <laughs> who I am. You know. So. So yeah. It, it, anyway, man. It's, once they're in front of me, they are the most important thing. Could I ask a, a question? Sorry if it's a bit like basic, but in terms of arranging and yeah. call arranging, yeah, it is your role. Does it involve arranging the different vocal parts, but also like the musical accompaniment as well? 
Yes, it can do. It can do. For example, let me give you one example. So Kingdom Choir, not even Stand By Me, but there's a song on the album. I think this is a good story for you guys. So when they finished doing the, the, the wedding and then they said, all right, we're going to do an album. We did a whole lot of songs, including Stand By Me. And then they said, oh, we want uh, a Christmas song. So I, they said, OK, Mark, could you do Hark the Herald Angels Sing? Mm. And I said, yeah, yeah, cool. And so, hold on, let me see if I can, um, I don't even know if I can play it now. Can you hear this? Ooh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> this is amazing. Oh my God. <laughs> oh, I don't know if I can play it now. Hang on. Oh no, what, what cue is it in? Oh God. No, I can't play it. You can. But the reason I the reason I say that is because if I've got an idea in my head, it can it could just be the harmony and therefore there's, there's a track that's already in existence that I just create the harmonies around. Or for example, with that song, I got up at I think it was about four AM actually at home. I was just like, oh man, ah, that song that this is amazing just in my head and i was just like oh oh that's nice so i went down to my piano i played it i recorded it on my phone and then i literally within about 20 minutes left my house came to my studio and then put down all of that accompaniment and then sang this and this arrangement just came out of me so all of the harmonies just came out of me and i was just like cool within about two three hours it was done wow. i saved it I, I bounced it down and i sent it to karen gibson leader of the kingdom choir and she was just like i i love this do you know what I mean? So it could take Amazing. any form. Sometimes it's the whole arrangement, accompaniment, and also the harmony. And sometimes it's just it's just the harmony. So yeah, does that answer your question, Julie? Well, it does. Yeah, thank you, and thanks for explaining it. And and honestly, music is so powerful because it's beautiful. You have such a talent and a gift to just be able to. But I didn't realize you were sat at a keyboard. And yeah, man. Steph, that's amazing. Steph, your little face on the screen because we're recording a movie. Just <laughs> like this is amazing. <laughs> Can I just say the um the stand by me, by the way, was epic. And I have to ask the question because I, you know, you probably asked it all the time, but the process, the pressure, what was your vibe? What were you feeling? And oh, how man. did you how did you go into something like that with such a high profile event well you know what it, it, it it's an experience that absolutely changed my life right and please don't think that it changed my life in that you know it brought me riches and you know what i mean fame and all the rest of that it, it not not in that way at all it changed my life because okay let me answer your question like this when karen called me and asked me to do the arrangement of stand by me she didn't tell me who it was for she oh, said, I'm wow. singing at a wedding, I need an arrangement. Oh, okay, fine. So, and then she said, you you know, go and Google the date, which I didn't, because I was just like, <laughs> I don't, uh, yeah, I'm I <laughs> just not thinking really. So anyway, I've started thinking of ideas, haven't, haven't put anything down, and I start thinking of ideas. And then she calls me back a few days later, how are you getting on? Oh, yeah, haven't really started anything. She goes, well, you have you Googled the date? And I was just like, no, okay, okay let me Google the date. So I Googled the date, and there it is. Right. Oh, wow. she, hasn't, she hasn't said it, but obviously I think. So I'm like, oh, okay. And I said, well, actually, I can't actually make that event. I'm not <laughs> in the country. 
So she was just like, well, you need to make a change and do something. <laughs> so, I, so I was just like, okay. So anyway, so I said to her, what's the brief? And the brief is when a client says, I want the song to sound like this. They knew it was what it was. It had to be sung by me. They said, I want, they want it to sound like this. So Karen said, it needs to start kind of simple and pure and beautiful and then go into something a little bit more exciting. So I, <laughs> I can't, I don't know what key I did it in, but I remember, um, I remember doing this thing where it was like, oh, I can't remember now. Uh, stand, stand, stand by me, stand by me, stand by me. It kind of went there. That was the first <laughs> version, right? So it started yeah. off really nice and soft. Stand by me. Do you know what I mean? And then... Kind of all, you know, I mean, happy, clappy, gospel, you know what I mean, drum, da 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 you know what I mean? And I did all yeah. that. And, and I sent it to Karen, Karen was like, I love this, I love this. Um, and she sent it to them. And they said no. They just said no. Yeah, no. Mm. Like, uh, no, no, that's not it. I was like, okay. Now, bearing in mind, as an arranger, and I've got a number of books that go all around the world, right? As an arranger, if I arrange something, my publisher very rarely questions it. He just says, oh, Mark, this is cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, could we just change that note? You know that chord you did on that? Yeah, can we just change that note? Yeah, yeah, fine. Small things like that. So I wasn't used to people going, yeah, no, that's, that's not it. Mm. I wasn't used to it. So this is why it changed my life. So anyway, version two, scaled down, completely different vibe. Version three, completely different vibe. Version four, completely different vibe. Version five, acapella, no music. Version six, something completely different. Version seven, something completely different. Each time they said no. Wow, wow. Um, and then at that point I said to Karen, Karen, I said, I, um, I feel like I'm arranging blind because I'm not really getting the feedback that I need. Because if you're saying, okay, we, we like the song and we like the, the, the structure of it, but we don't like the beat, then, you know, that's one thing. But we weren't really getting getting much. And so I said, look, why don't we just meet them? Shut up. Yeah. <laughs> what? No <laughs> way. At which, point, at which point I thought it was going to be kind of off with your head kind of thing. <laughs> you know, really. um, but, but bless Karen, man. She just said, all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask the question. So she asked the question. And they were like, yeah, cool, let's meet. Oh my God, this is gold. Like, oh my days. So we we went and we sat down with them and and we had a really great chat. And, I, and why I say this changed my life is because I was arranging, I was arranging from a place of wanting to be a, musically, musically, I wanted, to, wanted it to be superior. I wanted it right. to be that my music friends and peers go oh man oh man that was amazing man what you did there was great oh oh that chord mark oh I'm in the choir with that's where I'd started and it taught me so much about myself and also about how people hear music people who are not musicians mm. how they hear music um and so I, re I recognized in that moment that they were just everyday people who just wanted to say something really simple about who they were mm -hmm. through that song, you know? And the sentiment of it is that they were gonna stand by each other, which, you know, where we are today, you can see that that is very, very much what is happening. And so in that moment, I changed my whole way of thinking. And 
then went away from that meeting and just created something very simple. And we got to version 13 in the end. And honestly, they didn't really hear the final version, version 13, until the day. Wow. And it was so simple. It was, as you as you know, you, you hear yeah. it, it was so simple, but there was a beauty in it. Oh, stunning. Definitely yeah. a beauty in it. And, you know, from me playing 16 different chords in the first version, so they're just mm. being four chords. Do you know what I mean? In this one, mm. like, you know, it was a journey and it was a real education for me, man. You know, give the client what they, they want. They want, yeah. And, you know, and I say that all, and I, and I let's go back to just a year before then. I remember sitting here in my studio, actually, listening to one of my all-time favorite gospel songs, which is uh, Richard Smallwood's Total Praise. And, um, and I remember just listening to that, just going, man, I'd love to arrange something that the world hears. Mm. Yeah. Oh. Wow. Oh my God, manifestation. Amazing. Yeah, literally. And you know, you just don't think, ah, it's never really going to happen. And then it wasn't until probably the day after the wedding, Jamoke, BBC Radio London, called me and said, oh, can you come on and, and have a chat about the, uh, the arrangement? I said, yeah, yeah. And I didn't know that the world had listened to this. I didn't know. Oh, my God. Oh, How God. exceptional. And still you know? listening, it's such a beautiful arrangement. And yeah, um, yeah, it was, oh, breathtaking. It just takes me back to, like, watching on the day because I, I I cleared my diary. I wasn't involved in it, but I'm sure I was going to be there to watch it and watch the <laughs> highlights um, after the same day but um I just thought all of it was oh it was amazing and also like the decision to have because it's such an iconic song to yeah. start you know they could say you know and everyone knows how the original goes so then to have the, that in itself is I would imagine quite a, a pressure and um, yeah. to have like a to start with a male soloist as well I thought that was a really really mm, powerful because often with kind of contemporary gospel choirs often the kind of soloists are female that's yeah. my experience of, of listening yeah. to it. and not that that's a problem but I just loved it I just it was so mm -hmm. pure I, mm -hmm. I have it on my Spotify like playlist it's beautiful yeah. I just yeah so to meet you is just like an absolute thrill and thank you for breaking it down because I, I don't it's nice to to hear I mean it sounds like an awful lot of work went into creating yeah that masterpiece but yeah totally worth it and, and yeah no it, it was I mean it's so much there's so much more to that to that whole story but the the main point for me is they knew what they wanted mm -hmm. yeah they absolutely knew what they wanted and it it was my job really to to give them that and so the first seven was was sadly you know I'll be honest man it was about me it's mm -hmm. totally about me do you know what I mean? I didn't want to put something out that the world was going to hear, potentially, that my musical friends would, would turn their noses up at. It was totally yeah. about me. So my whole mind had to shift into this place of, it's not about you, Mark Delissa, for goodness sake, it's about <laughs> them. And so give them what they want. And you know, mm. you know, I'll be honest, man, I, I don't play with the word depression. I don't feel like that's something that I, I felt after the wedding or after the performance, but I've, I did feel really down. Mm. Primarily because you put all of this work in and what people don't realize is in the chapel, you're not allowed to applaud, right? Oh, wow. So the, the song started and I'm like, okay, cool. We're here, it's, we're, we're about to sing it. We sing and then it ends. Now, all of the build-up of me going through those seven, which were all about me, and then the further six that were all about them, right? Mm. Getting to that place. 
and everybody in the audience, because we're at the back of the chapel, right? So they've all turned and they've looked and they've witnessed the performance. And then when the performance is finished, they've just done this. <laughs> no way. How annoying. You're joking. And you just go. Oh, God. And, and, and there's part of me that knew that they weren't going to applaud, but there was part of me that was still wanted them to, just a ripple, like. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> and I sat down and I just thought, well, that was, that was uneventful. You know what I mean? Oh, but people at home were screaming, texting, yeah. you know, yeah. all that stuff you don't see. Yeah. Um, my WhatsApp was popping anyway, so I'm sure yeah. that across the world it was. So but I can imagine from your perspective, that journey to get to there and then just see the backs of people's head. My yeah. gosh. Yeah. And how we frustrating. Didn't, we didn't have our phones with us, right? Right. We didn't have our phones with us. So, well, well, I, well, if we did, my phone was definitely off, you know, in silent airplane mode, you know, so I didn't see <laughs> any of that. And so I just sat down just like, yeah. Okay, cool. And then I had to go to, because I the reason I couldn't make the date is I had to be in Ireland. Um, and fortunately, I was able to reschedule to the following day. So I left the wedding. They dropped me off at the airport and I jumped on a plane to Ireland. Do you know what I mean? And so I'd gone, I'd kind of got to the airport, hadn't really turned on my phone. I spoke to my wife, I think, and a few people had said, oh, yeah, I saw you at the wedding. And I jumped on this plane, obviously, phone off. And I got into Ireland late. And so I didn't really turn on my phone. And I just went to bed. Do you know what I mean? It wasn't until the following day when Jamoke called and was like, oh, can you come on? I was like, um, yeah, okay. Oh my gosh. Did How I did really... that feel? Um, weird, because you just kind of go, what? What? People, <laughs> what? people are talking about it. People, what? Like, and I was yeah. honestly genuinely surprised. And I think because I had got to such a low in the process. Yeah. Mm. Um, and the low is because, like I said, a lot of it at the start was about me and I had to break that down and at every moment where I was going to be like oh no, no I've got to create something great no you create something simple you give them mm. what you want all of that shedding all of those 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 issues and problems and things that were going to stand in my way just took its toll on me man do you know what mm -hmm. I mean so when I when people said they really liked it I was I was quite shocked to be honest wow. that's really interesting to hear from your perspective Mm. because mm, 100%. It, was such, it was perfect everything about that was perfect and but in terms of the creative process and but then the feedback that you normally get as creative as well yeah. not having that or not having that straight away after putting in that colossal amount of work so yeah. you know, that performance was it elevated it was just so such a beautiful moment yeah you know? mm. For so many people, but for for you and Bart, and perhaps I don't know if um, the members of the choir felt the same. Not having the normal feedback, and it, it maybe ties in with what we were saying before we started recording about some people working hard diligently, and you just don't know, and they don't get that the, because it, they're not showing it, they're not getting applauded on yeah. social media, but they're just doing the work. And, and um, yeah, that's I guess it, it's a lot of like personal and professional growth there and mm. when you were speaking about creating with a view of wanting your contemporaries to appreciate the skill yeah. I'm yeah. currently quite obsessed with interior design masters the show okay. and because yeah. uh, uh, the second series season was on iPlayer or on, on recently shown on BBC but I, someone told me oh did you not know season one's on Netflix so I was just binge that 
but yeah. the, the, the designers there, you know, they're wanting to show off their skill, but then you've got to fit the brief and what the client yeah. Yes. That, yeah. Having that is such a difficult balance. And, yeah. but yeah, what you gave to the world, it's a gift to the world. It's beautiful. And mm. I hope you feel elated about it now, but it's really interesting to, to hear. Yeah, I do. But the thing that I take away from it is I learned a lot about myself, you know, mm. and it changed, it changed my whole way of thinking and my whole approach to, to music, you know, from there on, you know, and I think that's the takeaway for me that when you're in a situation like that, you have to really start to say, well, who is this about? And it's something that I say to my, you know, singers all the time, but actually when it was me, it was almost like, hold on, but you say this to your, your singers all the time, like, what's the motive? What's your intention? Mm. But I wasn't actually, that for the first seven, I wasn't actually living that, you know what I mean? For the yeah. other six, I was absolutely like tearing my tearing myself away from myself. Like, no, 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 come on, give, mm. them, what, give them what they want. Give them what they want. Do you know what though? I also took from that is that, it was until you actually had contact with your client that you, mm. you fully understood. Yes. So I can totally understand that like, you were detached essentially. You're hearing it third person, aren't you? From a, yeah. from a third party, sorry. Yeah, um, yeah. But the beauty of, of getting the brief, understanding what your client wants is essentially speaking to them, understanding them and yeah. really getting what their journey is about, which obviously yeah. you did perfectly, which is amazing, which is something I would say for me is working with people is a, is a big lesson that I, I've learned in general. I think you can you get a client brief or take a generic brief and then be frustrated why somebody else has won the, won the pitch or something. But if you don't speak to that client, you've got you know, they've know. got insight there. Yeah. You've got to know. And I did. As soon as I left it, I was just like, oh, okay, I, I, I get it. Mm. I get it, you know? And, and there was, it just, yeah, they just needed simplicity. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. And, you know, sometimes we think that, it's the complex stuff that's going to impress people, but actually sometimes it's just the simple stuff that people mm. go, oh man, I love this, you know, and they did, which was great. Yeah, and it's further the demonstration, just how hard you work and how you, you know, mm. get, to get to get the final results. So, oh, yeah. I love it, love it even more. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. So I was thinking, so to kind of contrast from, let's say working with, the royal family to projects that potentially you're, you've got the pleasure of working on now being in lockdown do you want to just kind of give us a bit of an insight of what you've been up to at the yeah. moment in terms so, of your work yeah 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 so throughout lockdown i've been absolutely focusing on my community choir and making sure they stay connected every single week so i think I think I'm going into my 95th session, I think, wow. in the next couple of weeks. So I'm approaching my 100, basically. So I do two sessions every single week with people all over the world. And that is really what I've, what I've been focusing on. But also, what's been really nice as well, actually, is a couple of the TV networks have asked for socially distanced choirs, which has been really cool. And it's just nice to just kind of call me and say, you know, could you, do you know how to do a socially distanced choir? Like, yeah, they just stand two metres apart. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, oh, okay, cool. Yeah. It secret. Don't give it away. Just right, <laughs> right. So, um, so yes, yeah, so we've done a couple of those, especially for the BBC so far, which has been, been really cool. And it's been nice actually because I feel like my wife says this all the time. She goes, "You really treat your singers like you're their dad." Oh, I love that. Because as soon as these things come in, I'm just like, ah, oh, okay, I can I can give them some work. I can I can yeah. help them to, you know, live a little and pay a bill, you know? Yeah. Um and so that's been really cool. And so we've done a few of those. What else have I done? Oh, and also 
I've been doing every so often I do this what we call a feel-good choir which is we just invite people from all over the world to just come and sing for 45 minutes online and we did one last week Sunday with Vicky McClure from Line of Duty oh Uh, my god amazing love her because we did Vicky and I did a show called Our Dementia Choir I saw uh, that years ago and so throughout lockdown actually we've started a charity for Our Dementia Choir so we last week Sunday we just raised money for that which was brilliant because there was about we had about 270 people come onto that call and sing I can see clearly now the rain is gone do you know what I mean which oh, was beautiful yeah is that over zoom because that's over zoom yeah it sounds all right because I remember at church once them trying to do a sing and it was awful <laughs> it was absolutely no. terrible. you see this is the thing guys and this is what I keep saying to people you can't <laughs> Everybody must be on mute. Uh, people don't understand that. They just think, oh, no, we can oh. see. No, put everybody on mute. Now, it's not the same. It's not going to be the same. So don't try right. anything. <laughs> so everybody's on mute, but I say to everybody, sing as loudly as you can, wherever you are in your little space or your room or your front room, wherever it might be, just sing as loudly as you can. Do you know what I mean? And actually, it's brilliant. It's brilliant because, firstly, they can't be heard by anybody else. Right? Yeah, true. That inhibition of somebody hearing me and judging my voice is gone. Right. Yeah. And so let it out. And so they do. And the joy on their faces is unbelievable. It's unbelievable. Mm. Because as far as they're concerned, nobody can hear them. They can just see them dancing around. And other people start dancing. (laughs) You start dancing. Everybody's dancing. Everybody's giving it some. And it's a joy, you know? So for me, it's been great doing that for, you know, near a hundred times you know throughout throughout this past year and a bit so yeah it's been it's, it's been a joy so yeah so those are the projects man and like I keep saying to people my responsibility in this life is to make sure that I create an opportunity to keep people connected yeah before we get back into the rooms we should be able to meet every every week and I think as we were saying before we started recording that even if there's five people on a zoom call I'm there if there's 50 mm. people, I'm there. If there's one person, we're just going to have a chat and sing a song together. Do you know yeah. what I mean? It's like mm. that because that person or those five people or whoever it is that comes on the call weekly need that time. They need to be connected. Do you know what I mean? So, mm. so yeah, so I just keep doing it, man. And I will continue doing it until we get back into the rooms. In fact, actually, when we get back in the room, I'll still be doing what I'm calling hybrid choirs, which is basically just Zoom in the room with other people. Yeah, wow. that's cool. Yeah, because not everybody may feel comfortable to rejoin right. yeah. at the same time. Oh, wonderful. Yeah. Thanks yeah, for that secret. Because <laughs> it was, it was bad, wasn't it? When it everybody was, was just like, really out of tune. And... And, and, and just out of sync as well. But yeah, yeah. he is mute. Everybody. <laughs> okay. and, and also, if you, I mean, it all depends on what you're singing, right? If you're doing, so, so if, if it's a praise and worship you're doing, right? There's a simple, simple way of doing that, right? Just get all of the praise and worship singers to record themselves on one track, right? Mm -hmm. So you can, and they can video themselves as well, whatever they want to do, but you play that, yeah? So that everybody sees or hears the praise and worship coming back at them, and then they can do their thing like, yeah, (laughs) do you know what I mean? They can do they can do that because they're getting it back at them. Does that yeah. make sense? Yeah. No, it does. Yeah. I guess hey. it back, making it simple. And yeah. 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 <laughs> yes. I yes, feel yes. comfortable in that environment. I'm not a great singer, but I think yeah. being on mute would be so powerful because I could really let go. You know, I could give it some welly. Yeah, confidence. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. 
You know, and you know, I'm I'm really I'm really keen to see what happens when we come out of lockdown and we're actually back in the room because I think a lot of people's voices are going to be a lot better or a lot should I say a lot more developed now because they've just been singing loudly at home. Yeah. You know? And therefore, I I honestly believe, and I'll I'll feedback. I'm sure I'll do some kind of video for Instagram when we get back in the room anyway, just to say that I really believe that that is going to happen. So I'm I'm, I'm excited to see what happens when we get back in there. Hmm. what do you do to relax and unwind because you're obviously so busy you are so skilled you're I don't we didn't know about your time schedules and how you work in terms of time slots but how do you unwind and what do you do I spend time with my kids oh. um, how old are I, they my daughter is 11 and my two boys are seven and six and that is really really unwinding for me especially in lockdown where I'm, I'm home a lot it's like that is my that is my chill time, you know, and it could be watching something with them. I mean, we've been through the whole Star Wars oh, right. <laughs> films, you know what I mean? Mandalorian, you know, we've looked at all of this stuff, which is great. And that's really, that's really, really brilliant. When they, when they go to bed, generally, you could probably find me sitting on a sofa watching some kind of Netflix series. Do you know what I mean? And that yeah. is very much, very much unwinding for me. And I've got into taking really long walks oh yeah so we find you know my wife and I we find you know different places to just go and see and you know different parks and you know different 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 things that that we can kind of that can kind of be new and fresh you know what I mean and a new view or a new path or a new area whatever it might be now that we're out of mm -hmm. kind of lockdown we can move around a little bit more we're doing that a little bit more so yeah so those are the things that, that I chill out with man Lovely. I've got into walking. I'm not the type of person, especially pre-lockdown, yeah. that would think it's Saturday, it's a glorious day, let's get a two-hour two walk and I'll be in a pub or in a yeah. bar. <laughs> um, <laughs> says a lot about me, doesn't it? Um, yeah. but... <laughs> but it just you... I think you've, you've rediscovered like the nature that's around you on your doorstep. Which is lovely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hundred yeah. percent. I think everybody has. Everyone loves a good walk now, don't they? So yeah, man. You know, get out and do it. Get those steps in, man. You know, healthy. <laughs> Keep healthy. It's important. It's important. Oh well, there's so thank you so much. We could have speak to you all day, and and there's yeah. so much more to ask. But we'll have to get you on another time. But um, yeah, man. is there time to ask you the melanin magic questions? And just to remind Perfect. you, it's what are your hopes and dreams for Black British culture in the next five to ten years? And do yeah. you have any insight or ideas on how we're going to get there? Black British culture is is so so important to the fabric of this country. You know, there's so many things that my parents brought here there's so many ways that they've inspired me to be in this life and in this country and therefore i want to continue inspiring the young people now the, the key thing is this for me there has to be a total ownership of who we are yeah mm. a total ownership of who we are now and that then that is from from the food that we eat to the music that we listen to to the way that we dance to the way that we wear our clothes to the way we do our hair to the way we walk to the way that we just live we have to have total ownership of that because that is our culture and i don't want it to disappear yeah i don't want it to disappear with my kids i mean i don't know where you guys are what your heritage is um what, we're british Ghanaians. Ghanaians, right okay so for me I know that I've got to make sure my kids know how to cook in saltfish. They know how to make a bun and, you know, bun for bun. Yeah. They need to know how to make bakes because my wife's from Grenada. They need to know all of these things. And that might sound really simple, but it goes right away across mm. the culture. How we, how we do things. You know, I did a thing the other night 
which was un I can't tell you how how invigorating it was for me. Somebody asked me to DJ. I don't usually DJ, right? But they asked me to DJ a Zoom party. Oh and wow! He went on for five hours, and I <laughs> it was all of the old tunes that we grew up with, and it was nice. all of the old reggae and all of the old dance hall and all of the old R and B like Jodeci and and and, mm -hmm. and you know Drew Hill and all of that kind of stuff. Nice. And it's like in that moment, it was like this is who we are. Mm. Do not lose that. Live yeah. it, breathe it, work hard, but be absolutely stay true to who you are. Because if we lose it, it disappears, and it absolutely feeds into this country. You know, I'm I'm, I'm looking at a lot of stuff at the moment about how much music in this country has been influenced by our culture. You know, reggae music, or you know, music that's come out of the American experience. You know, mm. the Black American experience, and there's so much. We have such a rich heritage that we bring to this country, and so my thing is, stay who you are, appreciate who you are, live who you are, and ultimately allow this culture and who we are in this culture to live on in this life. Love that. So important. So powerful. And I think. I don't know whether it's because we grew up in such a really small white area when we were little, but that for me, that, that idea would be is so, 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 so distant to who I was back in the day. Yeah. This element of having black pride, or even wanting to know about my black history. I was not there at all. I was very much about assimilation. Whereas now I think because of, I don't know whether it's because of social media or maybe because we're more vocal and more proud and maybe the next generation have got a little bit more freedom than our parents had to be vocal and to be ourselves. I don't know what it actually is, yeah. but what you said about ownership and this black pride and shining a light on black excellence, I think that is so achievable. I've got more yeah. hope than I probably would have had 10 years ago. Yeah, no, totally, man. I mean, it's, it's, it's within us, right? And don't be ashamed of it. Mm -hmm. You know, I think maybe my generation was taught to kind of feel ashamed about mm. it, you know, you know, and here's a story, right? I think it's important. I was sitting in a, I was sitting waiting for my wife in the car park of Morrison's somewhere. I don't remember where we were. My kids are in the car and I, I started playing some roots reggae, right? I can't, <laughs> for the life of me, can I remember the song? The song <laughs> was Tenement Yard, right? I don't know if you guys know it, but I anyway, don't know it. I won't play. It. I won't play it for you. Uh, but anyway, um, and I I started playing it, and it was it was it was moderately loud. It wasn't that loud, but the car was quite warm, so I put some of the windows down, and and as I put the windows down, my hand went to reach for the volume knob. Yeah. To turn it down. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But it wasn't even that loud. Yeah. And then I questioned myself, and I said. I'm, number one, I'm not disturbing anyone. So why am I turning it down? Mm. And That's so my question is, why do we turn down our culture? Mm. That is where I'm from. That is that is the music that I grew up with. That is my my parents' music. You know, that's mm. that's the, that's who we are. So let's not turn ourselves down. We are here. We contribute to this society. There are you know there are groups like the Specials who are a white predominantly white group who was influenced by that music you know UB40 you know yeah. madness. all of these groups have been influenced by this music and so mm -hmm. hey be proud of it man be proud yeah. of it. Yeah. 
you know and so yeah that's that was an interesting interesting moment and i and that's one thing that i'm giving my kids you know hey play your music man <laughs> you know I'll live it be unapologetically you and and embrace it and actually i mean i can't remember the name of the lead singer of ub40 but he acknowledges that if he didn't grow up in the part of birmingham that he was and mixing in and out mm -hmm. of each other's houses the food the music he would not have had those influences there you go, mm -hmm. there you go. Uh, and yeah, and I loved how you started off talking about with your children that they've got to know how to make certain food. You started with the food, and I think the food is so central to the culture, and especially in lockdown. Like to my shame, there's quite a few staples, Ghanaian staples that I can't make, but I appreciate. I will eat right. them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What, what, like what? Tell me, give me one. Fufu. Yeah. Fufu, uh, kenke. Okra yeah. soup. Yeah. Yeah. You gotta do it, man. Yeah. So, yeah. Like I'm, I'm I'm now at my parents' house and yeah. stocking up my. I've said to my mum actually, like I said, mum, can I please? Like she won't take money. I was like, can I give you? Because I have been coming home for the last month and <laughs> on the weekends, and I was like, mum, I've not had to buy food for a month. Can I give you money for groceries? And I'm just like yeah. living off like puffy. We used to have it all the time, but then we used to mm. have. I remember coming home from a, a friend, school friend's house. Oh, we had scampi and chips. Can we have that? And like my mum spends hours cooking this delicious, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. That yeah. now I can't get enough of. I'm like, mum, you have to teach me. You have to because yeah. I, I need it in my life and yeah. <laughs> I need it in my stomach. Because <laughs> if we don't learn, we don't pass it on. So we true. Don't, we don't pass it on, and so now my kids are like, you know, hey, they know what planting is, and they know yeah. what you know, they know what all these foods are, and they'll come and ask for it, and it's like cool, and they'll ask, you know, how do you make that, Dad? Like this, and then pass it on, pass it on. It yeah. just is. It's a culture that if we don't maintain, we'll lose. Yeah, yeah, very we'll true. Lose. I so. love what you said about not dialing down the culture because I remember speaking with some colleagues about the certain foods that seem appropriate to take to the workplace so your rice and stew but then like, things like your fufu or your kenko banku it's like a bit uncouth to take that to a, a, a workplace in the it's like no it's not like when when i went home with fufu last weekend i took that to work this it's just yeah good for you thank you really it's powerful yeah it's a real i love that awesome so in terms of our listeners and how they can follow you, get in touch with you and listen to any new material that you've released, if yeah. you can just give us a bit of information, that'd be great. Yeah, man. So anywhere online, uh, I'm, I'm at Mark Delissa on Instagram, on Twitter, on TikTok. Jeez, yeah, I'm on there as well. Ooh, are you on TikTok? Um, Go yeah, on, Mark. Man. Amazing. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know what? Because listen, I've got to get involved in all these things. I've got a 10 year old, yes. 11 year old daughter, right? And so she's going to be on TikTok at some point. So I need to know what's yeah. going on. Um, yeah. So, yeah, so TikTok, <laughs> Facebook, all of those. So it's just at Mark Delissa. Really simple. And if you want to check out some music, I've just released a song called Bump in the Road, which is a cover that I arranged, which is a song just about where we are right now, really, that actually we all go through stuff right mm. and we're all gonna have to go through it and some of the lyrics in there that that i think are really really beautiful for me anyway it's like um if a bird can sing with a broken wing we'll learn to bend when the wind blows the leaves nice. may fall but the tree stays tall this is just a bump in the road all right oh, so, i love that so check that out and again that's on spotify or, or itunes or wherever you can find it again it's mark delissa or mark delissa singers you know either one yeah wonderful thank you so much it's a pleasure yeah well it's been our pleasure to have you today and thank you so much for joining us i know our listeners are going to get a lot from listening awesome. to that and to our listeners join us again next time